0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another Joe Fortunato-less episode of Bantering the Blue Shirts. This is Mike Murphy, and once again, I'm joined by Tom. Tom Urch Jr. Say hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. Uh, So, Tom, since the last time we recorded, things have gone poorly for the Rangers. And I would say... I don't know, what's a good word here? Like, they three straight losses one of which obviously in the shootout but that of course came after a blowing a three goal lead and the rangers are now i think a little kind of like a sobering reminder to everyone about where this team is even though obviously they're very banged up they have a lot of guys out with injury um but i wonder did you have any kind of takeaways or or did any of these losses sting a little extra for you from these last three losses
1: So it's kind of interesting. This is a a conversation that I was having with my dad when we were coming home from Sunday's game. And if you sort of look at the three in sequence, you have the shutout loss against the Senators in Ottawa where they weren't able to generate anything.
0: Never had a power play in that game too.
1: They They just looked flat. And then you play Saturday... In Montreal, you go down four nothing. You are able to score two goals, and you still ultimately fall short. And there were some elements in that game, mistakes. Uh, your you know players' brains just sort of turning off at inopportune moments. And then you have Sunday, go up three nothing against the Winnipeg Jets, who are one of the best teams in the league, a team that many people have selected as a favorite for the stanley cup considering the amount of talent on their roster and all it took was a mental mistake and a lack of discipline the jets go on the power play 3-1 shortly after that they make it 3-2 they eventually tie it up again in, the, in late in the third and they win in the shootout if i had to pick one of those games that was most frustrating I would probably say the Montreal game just from the standpoint of it was it really wasn't a hockey game it was things that we've come to expect with this with a young team and I and that's important and a, and a team that's that's injured and it's it's not so much an excuse but you're going to have games like that and you want to look at the positives Coming out of that game, uh, a, a, you you see them fall flat uh, Saturday night, and then they come out like a house of fire uh, the night after. And you know that's to yeah, be exp-
0: That was nice to see until they shit the bed. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And as I'm watching the game, uh, it's they're they're not having a lot of shots on goal. They're they're scoring on almost you know perfect shots, um, and, and Winnipeg is 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 plugging away plugging away having a lot of zone time um so you could see it coming if if you're if you've watched this team enough this year you sort of get that that sinking feeling in your gut that something bad is going to happen and nine times out of ten that bad thing happens and that that you know that one out of ten times is obviously you have henrik lundquist that there there are times with he's done it so many times before he just says no, this is not happening, and they win the game. Henry
0: Lundqvist um, is like liquid whiteout, like a thing of liquid whiteout that's just slowly running out for this team, just correcting mistakes year after year, season after season, and now on this, you know, this rebuilding team, and it's like people get, the, I don't understand the people who get like, oh, you know, he didn't give them a chance to win that night or whatever, or you know, how can how can he let three goals? get past him in one period and like if you if you look at the shots of that game you know obviously i hope everyone saw that game but rangers out shot 42 to 19 um that's the fact that winnipeg came back in that game is not on henrik lundquist the fact that the rangers had a chance to come away with You know, an an opportunity to pick up two points against the Jets is completely because of Lundqvist. Um, But I I kind of answering my own question, Tom. I feel like that that game against Winnipeg was the one that was the most frustrating to me. Um, But you because like you said, it was it was good to see them kind of play hard, put some you know get some scoring chances, get a couple goals uh, after Montreal, which was really just a very ugly loss in my opinion. Um, it felt like Montreal kinda got on top of them and the Rangers were never able to to kind of put up put up a real, you know, fight in terms of how do they how do they stop this? How do they kind of interrupt, you know, what was it? Two straight goals by Shea Weber and then another two straight goals by Arturi Lekinen and then Jimmy VC scores and Strom scores on the power play. And then uh, Montreal gets another goal um, in the third on a power play of their own. So it's been it's been kind of closer to the hockey I've, I've expected we'd see this season, Tom. But a lot of that has to do with all the guys who are hurting, and that's relevant now because uh, as you posted today on the banter, uh, the Rangers are actually starting to get healthy. Um, you know, we heard today that all these guys who have been out are in what is it tom now they're wearing still, so yeah who's wearing a no contact today? i don't
1: know so a no contact is still uh, vlad Nemestikov and adam mcquade we really haven't heard much about nemestikov um, we know he went through the concussion protocol and the way i sort of interpret things is there would be a lot more red flags if he weren't able to skate, um, if that would indicate to me that there is something much worse at play. Um, it was sci- kind of surprising to see that Butchnevich was on the ice as soon as, as he has been, and he's even uh, a potential for this weekend, along with... I
0: thought Russian guys weren't tough, though, Tom.
1: Yeah, yeah, they don't really... They're sort of made out of, like, glass, and they I don't, don't have grit, and they float around, and they're... You know, it, it, but I guess he's, you know, he's sort of like a rare breed, uh, sort of. Did you we know. ever
0: get a specification? I know McQuaid is lower body. Do we know what the hell's been going on with him? Because now he's, he's still, he's still considered week to week, but he has been that for a long time. I mean, I'm trying to remember the last time McQuaid was even in the lineup now. And uh, it's- I, I believe he was,
1: uh, David Quinn was asked this question, um, it was one of the the recent uh games whether it was the pr- practice before or a post game and his answer was that he's about 2 weeks away and if we look at the calendar using today as December 4th 14 14 days from now is December 18th and it's sort of to me it's like you know sort of get to the christmas break where the before the um, the roster freezes and it's if you can just sort of delay, 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 then you don't really have to make a decision with uh, with McQuaid for the most part. But yeah, I feel like he's been two weeks away for he's been out since the October last 25th. month. Twenty
0: fifth. I mean, that's a long time.
1: And I think he only has eight games on the season. So yeah, that's
0: right. Know. That's. But I mean, what's kind of if he is getting close to return, as you said, you know, around Christmas break. You know, I've heard, I kind of, unlike Joe, I like to look ahead at our, our mailback, Tom. And we have a whole mess of questions about what happens with this defense. And I think that is, that is kind of the big pressing question here, is the Rangers could really find themselves in a tough spot because right now one would have to imagine that Adam McQuaid's trade value is simply, but we'll just say this because it's, you know, it's kind of, it goes without saying, and it's also a very safe statement, but it's important to kind of put this in context. It would be far less than what the Rangers gave up for him. Um, and that's important because does that mean the Rangers might be encouraged to showcase him as one of the guys who they know is on an expiring contract? A guy you know you can move, and you know it's not really going to cost you anything. He's not going to be a part of the rebuild. I don't think the Rangers expected... Uh, you know, the pieces to fall like they did, I don't think the organization really trusted D'Angelo to kind of assert himself the way that he has, and I don't think they really believe that Pionk would be putting up the kind of numbers that he is putting up, which has made the Adam McQuaid trade just look... Also, you know, it also should be noted how valuable Friedrich Clayson has been.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, just to, to briefly interrupt with McQuaid, yeah, I, yeah. I, th- I think... There's not much to showcase for a 31-year-old defenseman whose primary reason for being on this team was to be an honest player, a tough player, someone that would clear a crease and make people think twice. And all need the need
0: someone on your bench who, if you, if you rubbed like a, a match on his on his chin, you could strike the match on like on the stubble alone, because that's how much grishen and grit. And that's what Adam McQuaid was. He's the, like, it's interesting to me that people use the word honest and stuff. Honest feels like a way to describe, like, a guy who can't really rely on skill as much. So he tends to play physical. And, like, he's always going to go out there and work hard. But that's kind of because that's what his career path has been. He knows he has to work hard. Yeah. And guys who look like they're working hard um, are often doing that because they're not always in position. Uh, That's not always the case, I should say. But, like, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like, I mean... I'm not saying that I'm not a huge fan of the McQuaid trade and what he brings to the lineup, but uh, it's it's vexing to me. To Tom, it vexes me. What, yeah, what are they going to do?
1: It's nothing against him, and it's a situation where... I'm
0: sure he's a fine young man.
1: Right, and their thought process... Hair.
0: I'll say that for Adam McQuaid. I mean, I keep interrupting you, Tom, but have you seen nah, it?
1: it's it's fine, but it's I... Fine. i look at the thought process and it goes back to something we said earlier the expectations for this team and the organization looked at it as potential work in progress they're building towards something and looking at that right side d'angelo was somewhat of a question mark um pionk was somewhat of a question mark the only solidified guy on the right side was Shattenkirk, so to have McQuaid there as a, you know air quotes, veteran presence because that's something that's Overstated. I'm not saying that, you know, veteran presence does not matter, but it's it I feel like when that's your go to thing, sort of like when we were in the, the banner chat when the we were talking about uh the news of, of Daniel Sprong getting traded and Ryan Gropp getting sent down to the ECHL. When you're sort of reaching for size and, you know, ability and frame and stuff like that as your, your go to thing, I think that's sort of akin to a guy, oh, he brings a veteran presence well, you're not really saying much. You're just yeah, saying these. old. If you
0: can't say things like he has an NHL-level shot, he's a great skater. You like you look, the assembly line moves and you look into the next bin of adjectives and traits you can give a guy. And a lot of that comes down to things like, oh, he works hard, he's an honest player. You know, he, he doesn't take a shift off. Because like, a lot of times those are traits you can use to describe elite players, but uh, we don't normally use that. Like we You don't hear a lot about how hard... Alex Ovechkin works. Um, most of the time we just talk about how he just has an unstoppable shot from his office and how he's the greatest goal scorer of our generation. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he works just as hard as anyone. Um, just like, you know, a lot of guys, it's you can't really just be really, really good. Uh, you also need to be extremely talented. And if you're only talented and you don't work hard, um, and you also need to work hard, I should say. I think I got things tangled up there. Uh, if that doesn't happen you you flame out. You don't last long in the league because it's, it's. This is the NHL is. There's not enough roster spots to keep guys who can't, you know, who are not willing to bust their ass around. And I feel like maybe you know I understand the thought process behind McQuaid. I don't mean to harp on this. I didn't. This wasn't my plan uh, coming to the show, but with his impending return it does kind of it does kind of put a spotlight on how this team evaluates and analyzes this rebuild and the pieces that could fit into it and the pieces that they maybe misidentify as being a part of that uh, process and I think McQuaid might be the best example of that, whereas someone like Clayson is something that really Gorton should get a lot of credit for, is this recognized, oh, this is a guy, He he's zero risk, doesn't cost anything. We'll sign him for w- one year, and he'll also be an RFA at the end of the year. He's not old, he's not young. You know, he's a player in his mid-20s. And what did they find? They found an outstanding 3rd pair defensive defenseman. Like... And a guy who seems, everyone you play with him seems to play better. And, like, what did he cost the Rangers, Tom? Nothing but money. And that's a a lot less than what McQuaid cost, and I know it was only a fourth round pick, yada, yada, yada. But it it is important to think of these things, especially when I feel like parts of this fan base are having kind of this identity crisis of not knowing whether or not this team is really a rebuild team or whether or not, hey, why can't this team go in the playoffs in a wild card spot, Tom? Why not?
1: Because they're not very good.
0: That's right, especially the defense. Um, speaking of defense, I thought it would be fun to talk about who I think uh, is the most... I've already used the word vexing, but I'm going to go back to the well here, Tom. Neil Pionk. What the hell is a Neil Pionk to you? Like, how would you describe Neil Pionk? He's,
1: it's, it's tough because he's a, it's a very, I find sensitive topic because... If
0: we're playing Family Feud, what's the most common word people use associated with Neil Pionk? Survey says.
1: Most common word associated with Pionk would, it would if, I, if we're looking at his body of work, it would be, I would say, opportunistic
0: Opportunistic? Is it on the board? It's up there. I'm not sure how I hide that time.
1: And I say opportunistic because he's made the most of his opportunities. And by opportunities, I mean the power play. And
0: Oh, you know what? I like what you're selling now. I wasn't there for a minute, and now I'm all about it.
1: And it's a, it's a situation where I, I wanted to look at how he's played this season. And he's played 26 games, so broke the first 13 and then the second set of 13 5 on five, first 13 games Yep. He logged 214 minutes uh, And 7 seconds of ice time A goal And an assist With a Corsi 4 percentage of 41.18 wow. How many they goals
0: st- was he on the ice For against Tom?
1: I just have his individual numbers
0: Oh well, there you go Tom I just ruined the whole show it's okay.
1: Uh, scoring chance for percentage forty three point oh nine, and his goals for percentage, which will kind of answer your your question indirectly, thirty five point seventy one. Well, that's not so, good. So yeah, and then you look at the power play: zero goals, five assists, all of which are primary. So you're looking at uh, if you add all situations: two goals, six assists, eight points in his first thirteen games. Uh, seven primary points all, all uh, stated yeah. so you look at the last 13 he got a little bit of a bump in ice time 219 minutes and four seconds um although He's averaging
0: the, almost 23 minutes of ice now on the season
1: yeah and the, the one stat i did include in the first 13 was a pdo of ninety-three oh eight. so he was a bit unlucky you could say so yeah In this last stretch 219 minutes a pdo of 103.4 no goals two assists five on five one of those primary Uh, cf percentage 42 52 scoring chances for percentage 41.34 goals for percentage 52.63 once again opportunistic on the power play two goals four assists five primary points six total points and then in all situations total of two goals, six assists, and eight points. So he's he's split uh, eight points in 13 games respectively. So offensively, you would say, okay, he's a guy that puts up points, but his underlying numbers are shit. And I really think that's something that the team should get to the bottom of because while I'm, I'm not saying that Neil Pionk is going to be this puck possession wizard he's not going to be i s- that yeah right but i don't think he's going to be like 40 41 cf bad i think there's potential for him to be a 46 47 48 player and it all comes down to how he's been used and it's this unwillingness of of quinn to break up the mark Stahl and neil pionk pairing um Like I mentioned before the show, the Rangers only have four pairings, five-on-five, that have seen more than 100 minutes of ice time together. Mm -hmm. Stahl and Pionk, 320 minutes. Clayson and Shattenkirk, a pair that has come together recently, 190 minutes. Shea and D'Angelo, 179 minutes. And then Smith and Shattenkirk, 135 minutes. And the numbers of stall and pionk are, are are just bad but what's interesting you
0: just uh you just want to push him into a fire and stop thinking about it bad
1: yeah so their collective coursey 4 percentage 39.89 relative minus 7.81 their goals for percentage 47.83 uh it's for
0: those of you who are not inclined or not uh not in tune with analytics, all these are bad numbers. These are not good. Um, is, is the uh, the shorthand way of going through this. The, the things Bad things happen for the Rangers, which means they're often wildly outshot and outchanced um, when that pairing is on the ice. And what makes this so kind of frustrating, as Tom is pointing out, Quinn just doesn't want to break that pair up. Um, I, I think before the show you and I were talking and You know, you mentioned how, I think, what is it, Tom, like the, one of the, after the Pionk stall, one of the highest kind of shared ice times among D is Clayson and Shattenkirk, and that's a recent thing. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's just been this game of musical chairs for everyone but Pionk and stall.
1: Right. And the interesting part is that both of them have seen some time away from the other, and they've actually been... Better away from each other. So while the numbers yeah. are are bad collectively, uh is seen 112 minutes and 46 seconds away from stall five on five. His coursey four percentage in, in this situation is 46.03. His scoring chances for 45.13. Goals for 33.33. So those numbers are they're still not the greatest, but they're better than when he's with stall And what I found interesting is stall away from Pionk 117 minutes and 54 seconds. He has a Corsi 4 percentage of 52.14, a 50% goals for uh, and then scoring chances for 54.55%. So those are positive numbers for Stahl. Mark Stall
0: is the highest scoring Rangers defenseman at five on five play folks. So just you would let that let that just marinate into your, your meat there. Let it just settle into the the meaty fibers, the the tissue. It just that's a hard thing to wrap your head around. It also speaks volumes about what has gone on with Shattenkirk this season, which, you know, I've talked about on the podcast recently and whether or not it's time to worry. I'm officially worried about Kevin Shattenkirk, Tom. I don't know where you stand, but uh, whatever whatever shirt I have to wear on field day to be grouped up with team worried about Shattenkirk, grab the, the tie-dye or the shirt-dye and put me with that group because I'm, I'm concerned. Um, and Pionk, I, I wanted to kind of circle back to this because I let you you know build a strong case for what makes him such a like opportunistic is I think it is a good word. I think it's tied directly to the word I would use for Pionk, which is misunderstood. I don't think Quinn really knows what he has with pionk and frankly i'm not sure we can say with too much confidence what we have with pionk uh to to date he has 54 games of nhl experience that's not a full season before that you know he's he's really not that far away from playing collegiate hockey uh that last season was also his rookie season in the ahl so, you know, he's not a kid, you know, who's born in uh, July of 95. So he's not exactly, you know, a, a super young prospect by any stretch. But the NHL game is definitely still something he's wrapping his head around. And it's really interesting to see now he's in two more games, Tom. He'll have played as many games as he played last season. And he's already, he's already kind of eclipsed what he's... The things that he did just in terms of counting stats, mind you here, folks, like just goals, assists, yada yada. He's already eclipsed everything he accomplished last season, and those numbers were making everyone kind of murmur about maybe the Rangers have something here. Um, He is more than just the guy who had that ridiculous end-to-end goal, and that's a big deal. Um, But he's also, you know, not good at all in terms of his play in the defensive zone. He's very, very good and deserves to be point like he deserves recognition for what he does in the power play. But on the whole, uh, Pionk is not a guy. I think we want to get we want to put too many labels on him beyond labels like he's definitely been opportunistic and he's definitely uh, misunderstood because we're still figuring out what he can do. And like Tom, I agree. I don't think he's going to be a nightmare in terms of uh, possession, like a black hole for possession, but. I, I say that you know I I make that statement in pencil, not pen, just because we don't we've seen 54 games of this kid as you know a defenseman, a young defenseman in the NHL, on an awful team, uh, and we know that we really have very little data to look at him when he's away from Mark Stahl.
1: And I think that's the most frustrating part because I look at this season very much as an evaluation, as a as a tryout, and. Um, you know, I realized for the listeners I sort of threw, threw a lot of numbers at them and I think if I were to, to sort of simplify it it would be we've already seen a lot of Stahl and Pionk together and it's we can say with uh, certainty that they've been lucky. I think the one thing that has been driving the fact that they're still together mm. is that They've shown an ability to score goals uh, together. And,
0: goals do happen for the Rangers when they're on the ice. Um,
1: and that is sort of is the, a- the the band-aid that sort of covers up all the goals that they've been on the ice for against. And given the fact that the defense has been rotated as much as it's been, it's, it's kind of... I don't want to say hypocritical, but it's kind of just curious that... That's the one thing that hasn't been altered. We saw Pionk be a healthy scratch. We haven't seen Stahl as a healthy scratch at all this year. And I just feel that if we were to see Pionk with someone else, we'd be able to better evaluate him and what he could do going forward. And I think that that's true uh, of a lot of the younger players. Um,
0: yeah, I, I definitely agree. That's it, it, It's really... You know there's so many stories on that back end but the neil pionk just kind of he's become really the biggest story in terms of i mean outside of you know what what the hell's going to happen with brady shea and you know when are we going to see him return to the form we saw in his rookie or speaking of another young nhl defenseman but i wanted to touch on uh to stick with the young players here for a bit tom to touch on a story that you wrote for banter about leas anderson um specifically Quinn's usage of him, and, you know, the numbers for for Anderson, you know, he's had one goal scored off of his ass, um, and he has two assists, and in 14 games, he's seeing just a little smidge above 11 minutes a night. Um, he's had three straight games where uh, Quinn has kind of deemed it appropriate to give him more than 10 minutes of ice time, which is nice. Um, but what the hell is he doing with Leus Anderson, and why is it, you know, why is the team keeping him up here if he's being used this way?
1: It's something that I don't quite understand, and I I think back to earlier this season when Joe wrote the piece on Quinn failing Philip Heedle, and I look at the situation with Anderson as. He was, in their view, he wasn't good enough to make the team out of training camp. And part of that was because Brett Howden played so well and Howden's played well by and large uh, this season. So when they had the injuries, it was a situation of him being next man up and he was promoted. And he started on the fourth line. He was playing with Cody McLeod. He was playing with Vinny Lettieri. Recently, he played with Tim Gettinger and Stephen Fogarty. And these are players that either are young and as inexperienced as him, those that have proven themselves slightly in the AHL and haven't been able to stick at the NHL level. And then in the, co- the, the case of McLeod, someone who's on the roster for a specific reason um and while it it, i i sort of battle when i i I try to like work through this this problem so to speak because recently i I wrote the story on why i think the rangers should keep kevin hayes and it's this concept of you want to create competition for Hedl and Howden and Anderson and you don't want to gift anyone a spot and you know it may sound like oh he's Anderson's on the fourth line he deserves better and that inherently is like oh you're saying gift him a spot
0: I don't think it's that or treat him more leniently really, right? like let him have an opportunity um, and I think that's the problem here right is that it's you're not. We're not asking for Anderson just to be gifted ice time. I think we're asking more for. There are all these injuries, or there were all these injuries. Now guys are getting healthy, but why? Why is Anderson's role really not changed in a significant way? And why hasn't he been given uh, a similar opportunity to what we saw Filipino get? Right.
1: And it sort of goes against what the Rangers had said with Anderson. The reason why he didn't make the team is because they didn't see a spot for him. They didn't see a a second line or third line spot for him. Um, And they felt that the opposite of that was an opportunity to center Hartford's top line. And he did that 12 points in 14 games before he was recalled and I get it, it's the situation of he was the next man up, but I would think that at some point you wanna try something different. You wanna create an opportunity, see how the player reacts, and then you can sort of make a, make an evaluation. So in this hypothetical situation, which may sort of go out the window if Zuccarello and Buchnevich are going to be ready for this upcoming Florida road trip, I would have put Anderson on the top line aside of Zibane, Jad, and Strom and just see what happens. Uh, is he able to hold his own from a possession standpoint? Is he able to enter the zone and, and win those battles along the boards against uh, an opposition's top pair? Is he able to find those seams with passes that we've seen from time to time on the fourth line uh, but only for his defensive um you know people not to 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 put the puck in and i just think he he needs an opportunity and the sooner they are able to try something different you get a better understanding of of what he can be
0: yeah that's kind of the crux of it because the opportunity should be there and it, it really hasn't been for him and that's that's tough um and it's tough to see him, you know, just go with three points in fourteen games. Even though we 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 know he's not necessarily a guy with an offensive ceiling like Heatles, but um, it's it's kind of uh, it might be di- I think dismaying is a good word to see uh, the recent success that Heatles had, the success that Howden has had, um, and then to have Anderson kind of get this uh, delayed opportunity right, and then. Uh, his opportunity comes with, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, he's out there skating in the bottom six. He's throwing the body a lot, and he's trying to get shots on net, uh, but the opportunities aren't really there. He's not really getting a lot of special teams time either, which is, you know, trying to find an opportunity for a kid. I don't know why you wouldn't look at something like the power play. Um, you know, Ryan Strom, uh, picks up a power play goal and that's that's fun that's great to see strome who could find himself uh, you know work himself into a role you know as a depth forward for the next couple of years for the rangers if things continue to progress but it's not nearly as important as getting leah Anderson confident and getting him to play uh, you know the sort of hockey that he's capable of playing and like you pointed out his numbers in the hl we know he can play great hockey and the AHL is obviously a couple, couple degrees uh, lower in terms of competition than the NHL, but it's, it's not all too far away. So he should be able to make a bigger impact here, but that's not going to happen unless Quinn kind of makes it happen. And now it might be a little too late, right, Tom? Everyone's getting healthy. Exactly. And I don't think
1: it would have been a bad thing to give him a game or two on the top line. We all saw what happened when Hedl got bumped up and he responded with goals in five straight games. And now he he looks like a confident player and he's just having fun and being a positive uh, influence for the Rangers.
0: Opportunity is like the, the, the buzzword of this show. We, we talked about Piant being opportunistic and now we're saying that Lee just needs an opportunity.
1: Well, you know, a wise man once said that Great more moments are born From great opportunity
0: Oh, what else a wise man Once said, Tom? It William fits its ships
1: for a low flat rate
0: <laughs> No, I was going to say William Nylander uh, is a Toronto Maple Leaf Which means he's not a New York Ranger uh, Which means Toronto was able To close that deal So uh, Joe Fortunato, despite I'm sure many, many uh, for Black arts And uh, satanic rituals Um all sorts of things that he was anything and everything he was trying to do to make the a ranger it was all for naught uh, it was a
1: pretty nice deal too
0: it was pretty good deal uh it feels like toronto definitely got you know got it to break their way after holding their ground and uh i'm sure the players association won't be happy about that to some degree but also hey um you know, he he was put in a tough spot, and he I think he has a good reason to be worried in Toronto about whether or not he gets dealt, and you know he has this kind of verbal commitment right from Dubas that uh, so long as he's the GM, you're not going to go anywhere. But going to be tight. You got to fit got to fit some guys under that cap over there in Toronto. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see what happens, and it's interestingly enough, Tom, it can kind of be. The fact that Nylander signed might mean that the Rangers get involved in a trade with Toronto sooner rather than later, if uh, if something kind of shakes out where, you know, things can work out. Like a guy like, I've, I've said this name before, but a guy like Connor Brown, who's, you know, 24 years old, 2.1 million, that doesn't sound like a lot of cap space, because it's not. But it's a lot of cap space for the sort of, you know, for the sort of room they need to make and what... You know Connor Brown is doing now as opposed to uh, the kid who scored 20 goals uh, two seasons ago. I think this year he has nine points in 27 games. So you know he's he's a you know a 35 point player. Um, you know he's never really a highly regarded prospect, and uh, I don't I think he was a six round pick actually. But you know the Rangers might be able to, might be able to get something out of Toronto even if it's not Nylander. So we'll see.
1: And I think the one interesting point from the Nylander situation is I I mm-hmm. posted it on Twitter. It's This isn't very much... It's sort of like round one is RFA go because you'll have Braden Point up next, Miko Rantanen, and a, a number of other high-profile players who you could argue are... Better overall than Nylander So if this is what happened with Nylander Sort of no disrespect to him as a player I wonder what we'll see going forward With other RFAs And if the Rangers, like you said Because they have so much cap space They can sort of just play middleman with, uh, with a team to, to Take on some salary to uh, Help them facilitate a deal You
0: know Tom? You might be crazy but I agree with you um, The other thing to mention is Seattle's getting a hockey team uh, that was official today. Uh, so that is something to keep in mind, especially with contracts and an expansion draft. Uh, Seattle, what is it, Tom, 2021, 20, 2022? 20, it
1: is, yes, twenty one twenty two, And I think it's just such an NHL thing to do. To have an expansion team come into the league, and the potential last year of the collective bargaining and agreement. The only reason I say potential is because next September, both the league and the NHLPA have the uh, the option to opt out. Um, so it's uh, I'm I'm excited. I visited Seattle um last year and it was tons of fun. Um, I think hockey's gonna be great there you're going to have proximity to vancouver that should be a a cool little rivalry you've had junior hockey in washington state for you know a long time and i i just think uh
0: i want a plaid jersey i want a brown jersey or a plaid jersey
1: i hope for some green i hope for some different colors i i just don't want it to be something we've all seen before um but uh and also the name it's the
0: color of salmon that's what i would say
1: they put out odds like betting odds for what the team name should be and i think totems was the most popular one they threw out like um the seattle sockeye the seattle Squatch. um watch oh yeah God. but there's options there but yeah it's way too early to sort of get a sense of what that'll be but um yeah we'll have to eventually think about that and i guess from the rangers perspective is that from an expansion draft they don't have any really long-term contracts so it's not like they're going to be fighting for expansion slots so but more to come with that because i would assume they're gonna add people in free agency and trades between now and then
0: yeah but that is obviously it's a big deal uh you know it is something to keep in mind especially with contracts and everything shakes out it is it is down the road a bit, but it is—it's uh, definitely it has to be on the radar of management and uh, as well as the Rangers. I think, I don't know, Tom, I think it's time for the mailbag. Um, sure. You know, we had we had the, the games to talk about, but now it's it's time for some mail. Uh, our First question, Tom. Rod Bushy. The Rangers talked about a youth movement and how the farm system is stocked with talent. However, when Zook, Vladdy, Bucci are out, well, there's no one brought up that can step in the wheels have fallen off. McLeod is no significant loss, so where does that leave us for the future? To me, this question reads like, uh, "Why does? Why wasn't someone better brought up from the AHL?"
1: Why you know um, promote Meskinen?
0: Why? Why not Meskinen? Why not? He he, a nice boy. Um, I think it's important uh, for two things to me, Tom. One is that this is really uh like year 1.5 of the rebuild right because we can kind of trace it back to that step on trade and before this rebuild happened that's fair holy shit was the hartford Wolfpack a mess and the farm system a mess so the fact that we don't have necessarily the greatest options to turn to in the hl is n- is not great but it's also not really surprising considering where the rangers are on that timeline um, with that being said, why not Meskinen, Tom? I wanted to see Meskinen, but uh, I know that his numbers aren't great. I know that, but why not?
1: It was interesting because I think I forget how far back it was, but mm. um, I, I made like one of uh, something on the banter. It was just like a news update, like, "Oh, if if the Rangers need to call someone up, here are the options they could go in." And I mean, Meskinen, Meskinen's not been bad um i i think he's fourth or fifth in team scoring the the two scoring leaders are veterans um peter holland and then cole schneider so two guys that are looking to be mainly ahl players at this point you might see them come up um at, at some point like if they trade everyone and it's just a complete mess but I wonder if this sort of ties back to um, like the Anderson thing we were talking about where they were just looking for the the next man up in terms of best overall fit. And I guess you could say boleski as a veteran made sense, although it yeah. might have been for just the one game. But I would have liked to see Meskin in. I would have liked to maybe see Boo back as a fourth-line center. Aww. Um
0: the forgotten prospect, Evis
1: Yeah, but... Sad. I, I think if if we we're to sum it up, they're being cautious, and maybe they only want to have so many young players on the roster at one time. Um, and maybe we, come, we revisit this in February, March, and you say, okay, Hedl has 60-plus games of experience at this point, Anderson, whatever. Okay, we can have in on the roster for five seven games whatever and send them back down so it could be that they're just being cautious and they're also hedging their bets by looking how well they've played thus far
0: brooklyn sports guy what would a likely return be for either brady Shea or kevin Shatkirk? also could you foresee either them being moved this year or during the summer thanks from brooklyn sports guy uh this one's this one's definitely a thinker for me um, I said it earlier on the show I'm officially on team Concerned About Shaddy I'm also on team Dear God I want to see better hockey out of Brady Shea Especially because Speaking of uh, Seattle He's one of the Right now he's the longest signed Ranger He's the only guy who's going to be on this team uh, Beyond What is it 2021, 20, 2022 As things currently stand um, and he signed for two years after that. Um, I I was looking at just kind of uh, comparables for guys who had similar cr- contracts um, in a relative ballpark uh, to Brady Shea and on cap friendly and how many of them were traded. And uh, one of the names that popped up was Adam Larson, but I don't think we're going to get Taylor Hall for Brady Shea, uh, however nice that would be. Um, trying to figure out what you could get for him is is tough uh it is it is maybe best if the rangers are seriously concerned about you i think it's best to move him now than wait um in in the event that his stock goes down but there's also this whole he has to go to a team that desperately wants d desperately wants a defenseman who can skate um And teams that want that typically want a guy who can work on the power play, and Brady Shea has not been given that opportunity in New York. Um, So maybe you have to sell him as a great skating D who plays great defense, and it's just hard to see because of what the Rangers are doing. Um, And so I feel like there's only so many times people can fleece uh, the Oilers, and I'm not sure where you'll find a suitor for Brady Shea that makes a ton of sense right now Especially a team that could offer a package that would make the rangers feel comfortable about a kid who At the beginning of this year was definitely a guy they considered a You know a cornerstone of that rebuild so I'm not sure what you get for Shattenkirk. I Don't know Tom. What could the rangers get for Shattenkirk or Shea right now? Do you have any ideas of of what a market might look like for them because I'm trying to think it's not very often that we see Guys get moved especially defensemen after signing a deal um you know they're both in different points of their career obviously but like i don't know what what would the other thing what is what's the deal with shatty's contract tom it's it's a modified no trade no movement so shattenkirk's
1: contract is from 2018 to 2020 a it's a modified no trade and full no move so he submits 10 team list of teams that he will not be traded to and then for the final year of the deal he submits a list of eight teams that he will not be traded to um, I don't think Shattenkirk would be moved in season I believe that they want to see how things go and right now we haven't seen enough of him to make a case for trading him and if and by that I mean mm you would want to trade him while he has some value. Um, Yeah, okay. And it's tough because he's making 6.65 million. and, And you run the risk of, you would, I'd much rather be in a position where we can facilitate a trade and eat less than eating more. Because I don't think there's a team out there that can absorb the full contract. When the
0: Rangers could retain a lot, and they could try to get a team to give up futures and explain: Kirk's twenty-nine. Uh, you know, we'll only, you know, we'll help you add a guy, you know, your power play quarterback, if that's what you need. We'll hold on to as much of the salary as you want, um, and you can get him, but it's going to cost you. But even that, I feel like, that's a tough, it's a tough trade to make because of. He's kind of not putting up points this year, right?
1: And in the the case of Shea, I think it all comes down to to use the word again, opportunity. Um, wow. And opportunity. the reason the reason I say that because you never quite know what position a team may be at the trading deadline, and prior to all the the Nylander stuff. I would have looked at Toronto as a team that would be interested in Shea for the mere fact that they have a, a top-pairing left-handed defenseman in Morgan Riley. their second-pairing left-handed defenseman Jake Gardner is a UFA this year, and then there's Travis Dermott uh, who's uh, 21 years old and he has two years left on his, uh, his ELC. So that, that would have been a fit. Um, I was just sort of taking a quick look at cap friendly now and a team that sort of interested me was the Florida Panthers just for the fact that they have Ekblad, they have Keith Yandel as like top two defensemen in terms of righty lefty and then you look at the rest of this list and it's sort of like a mixed bag and on the left hand side with uh I think Shea would be able to fit in there quite nicely. I don't quite know what the scope of the return would be, but I think that um, that might be an interesting spot. But ultimately, it would come down to what teams are super close at the deadline and maybe looking to add something to put them over the top and it be a little bit more than a rental and having someone that theoretically they can build around going forward.
0: Yeah, it's tough because you're trying to sell. With Shattenkirk, you're trying to sell a guy who should be kind of in the tail end of his prime, um, and is you know he signed the sweetheart deal with the Rangers. Yeah, he's 29. He's not having a good year uh, production-wise, and it it doesn't look great to trade away a guy who's this homegrown guy, uh, or no, I should say this hometown guy, not homegrown. After he signed a sweetheart deal, but you're in a rebuild. He doesn't fit. Uh, and, you know, the whole, you know, coming into the year, it's, you want at least a couple veterans around uh, to kind of, you know, help lead the kids. Uh, you know, you need shepherds for the sheep. But it, it's, it hurts. But I think one of the reasons we're going to see Shattenkirk Kirk stick around is because he and Quinn are clearly have a, an exceptionally close relationship between a player and a coach that the Rangers have inherited here. And I think that is a big part of a dynamic in the locker room and i also think in regards to shea is that the rangers front office i think would be very hesitant to admit defeat this early on the brady shea contract i just don't see it happening we've seen them you know refuse to admit defeat for a long time when it comes to some of these other contracts especially guys they they signed early who were d um and i know the the clauses and things were different but I just don't really see it happening. Um, our next question. If you were Gorton, how would you go about cl- clearing the logjam at D to allow the kids to get more time and bring up more youth? If I was Jeff Gorton, Tom, I would be calling people asking, uh, can I move you Brennan Smith and retain some salary? Uh, if not, how would you like Adam McQuaid real cheap? As in just like a a conditional third that becomes a fourth if you miss the playoffs, kinda cheap.
1: If I were Jeff Gordon, I would also say Brendan Smith and that's a situation where it's sort of a it's I wouldn't say it's a super tough sell because he's I think in the right situation he's an NHL defenseman, whether he's, he's
0: an honest player, Tom whether he's a
1: top four or a top six uh it, it it depends on who he's playing with and i was sort of suggesting in our twitter chat today would the montreal canadians be interested in in him just for the mere fact that they're looking for someone better yeah. to play with uh shea weber um and reportedly the dallas stars were interested in call carl alsner and if they're interested in Carl, Carl Alsner.
0: How could they not be interested in Smith? Right. Yeah.
1: And the other name is, it would be very unpopular, but and it would, unpopular. It, it would not be now. It would be closer to the deadline. But it would probably be Clayson, just for the mere fact that, yes, he's been good for them, but can you honestly see the team re-signing him and, and giving him... Um, somewhat of a a prominent role because the better he plays the more money he's he's going to be able to command and if he were to continue at this rate
0: Mm.
1: he could maybe factor himself towards maybe two million a season maybe a little bit more than that um i i sort of look at the situation almost as like an anton stallman light where they this guy that sort of uh had some good underlying numbers and was sort of looked at as a depth defenseman, but he found a situation where he caught on and he played well. And um, but he would be giving up a good a good defenseman, but yeah. ultimately it was a low risk uh, imp- impact signing. And Michael
0: Silvers to follow up here, Tom. He's asking, does Smith even make it to the trade deadline?
1: I think um, he. I think he does because he does. because if you look at all the defensemen. On the roster within the system, he's one of the the top seven. And you're not moving stall You're unlikely to move Pionk. You're unlikely to move D'Angelo. Um, so you're not moving Stahl definitely. Schattenkirk, I don't think is moving. So yeah, I think for now, unless there's a team that they're just like ravaged with injuries and they need an NHL defenseman yesterday. You're you're gonna we're gonna see Smith with the team until the trade deadline or beyond that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he's a tricky guy to move, although he does he does he could check off a lot of boxes for the right teams, a team like Dallas or a team like Montreal. And the Rangers would be really silly not to consider moving him, especially because it feels like you know, of all the defensemen. On that blue line it feels like Brandon Smith is the guy that Quinn just doesn't know what to make of him um, from Rick and Marty uh, might be looking too far ahead but which goalie do the Rangers protect in the expansion draft well Henrik Lundqvist's contract will be expired uh, so really who are we honestly talking about here like uh and Huska and uh, Gorkiev, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, I think it's kind of a slam dunk. It'll probably be Shesterkin.
1: Oh, yeah. That's... I think that's a slam dunk, and it's...
0: It's a Space Jam slam dunk.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, as much as I love, you know, Gorkiev, I think if it were by that point that he had um, he had shown significant value, they would have traded him by that point yep. to avoid, you know, losing him for nothing.
0: Tom, one of our listeners wants to know who are your free agent defenseman targets? I found this to be a most curious question, Thomas. Uh, we talk a lot about Mark Stone, Panarin, and why the Rangers kind of have to reach for the Golden Apple with those guys, right? But, the logjam in terms of D prospects, uh, is really something. With that being said, um, Jacob Truba is an RFA. But if we're talking about UFAs, uh, there's there's Strahlman, he's 31. You're, you're a rebuilding team, you really shouldn't necessarily be looking at guys who are over 30. Like, it just it doesn't make a whole ton of sense. Um, I'm not sure there's anyone there who jumps off the list to me without uh you know really kind of sinking my teeth into it uh i don't know how you feel about that but it is kind of i'm not sure they should really be targeting that many all to begin with do you feel the same way i mean i think um
1: i think the truba situation is something that they're going to end up revisiting and i it's a tough spot for winnipeg because They've gone to arbitration with him, and they've gone through all those um, those situations where it, it's it's almost like a fait accompli that he's going to leave. I well, think Tom, you. let lo-
0: I know you spoke French. <laughs> uh,
1: parlez-vous français? Um, oh! But um, yeah. But it. What's interesting with that is Trouba is an RFA, and Tyler Myers is a UFA. So. Those are two of your top four right-hand defensemen right Gary there.
0: Carlson's a UFA. Now, that's an interesting situation because... He's got one ankle. It's made out of metal, though. That makes him a cyborg that only can possibly add to his lifespan. Yeah, and... Think about it.
1: It's a tough situation. It, well, I mean, I love Eric Carlson, and... Uh, I don't know why he's gotten so much crap this year where it's like, oh, he's 28, yeah. he's not played as well as they thought he would. Like, he's leading the team. Have he, you
0: seen what the, the, the Sharks' underlying numbers are, especially when Carlson's on the ice? They should be running away with games all the time.
1: Yeah, but the Pacific Division this year, it's really strange. Like, it's the a, Oilers a, have a chance to make the playoffs, and who would have thought <laughs> that? But...
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that the Rangers should really be looking at D. Um, with that being said, maybe... It depends a lot on what's going to happen. Uh, this listener was Gray Market Band. It depends a lot on what happens with what they do with the deadline, specifically with those guys like Smith, like McQuaid, like Shattenkirk. If they clear out a lot of bodies and clear up this logjam, it becomes a question of, uh, all right, well, who you know do you have to find bodies because the other thing to remember is how many guys who are in the AHL right now for this team do you want here next year like maybe Libor maybe uh you know do you want you know do you want to look at adding anyone else really I mean John Gilmore is not a prospect uh yeah, if if I looked at this list
1: and being like a hundred percent, you know, honest, the only name that I might consider and mm-hmm. it's it's tough because I haven't run the numbers in a in a yeah. while.
0: It's just shooting from the hip, folks.
1: <sighs> yeah, but at one point, Jake Gardner and Ryan McDonough were pretty similar in when you looked at offense, yeah, you looked work. at usage, and you looked at their underlying numbers, so. Like you said, we don't know what's gonna happen with the defense, but mm-hmm. he's gonna get he's gonna get a ton of money, and he's gonna be without of the Rangers' price range. But if if he were someone that stayed on the market, and the Rangers said, "Oh, we want to add someone that reminded us uh, somewhat of Ryan McDonough," then he would be on that list. But yeah, it's a pretty um, it's pretty a goofy p- list. To like yeah,
0: because so many of the as as you might expect. Uh, you know it's it's carlson and myers are probably you know the two biggest names in terms of guys who you know are are high paid guys who are going to hit ufa who are under 30 and then after that it's a whole bunch of guys until you hit jake gardner as you pointed cuz he is uh, you, know, you could bring back michael Delzato, 28 year old michael Delzato, but why would you why 35
1: year old dan girardi
0: oh wow could bring back danny g i mean you trade chat and kirk you need another guy to lead the kids bring back bring back dan girardi and that's how you rescue neil peong from mark stall tom you, you, you put stall with girardi um and next question uh if someone offered you a guaranteed cup this year but it would mean the rangers forfeit all the progress towards rebuilding and lose one of hedel and kravstav would you do it uh spoiler tom and i talked about this before the show i think you, of course you do it um because what is the rebuild building towards the goal is to win a cup if you knew uh, by some uncanny almost certainly forbidden powers that you could deal away the soul of one of these two young men from europe to get a cup now and it would happen and you know it's going to happen the devil's written the contract in blood and the blood has dried, it's not smeared, it's good blood, it's it's a good fountain pen. The devil would naturally have a very high quality fountain pen. If all that is true, of course you do it. Uh, with that being said, uh, that's not what's going to happen. There's no way to guarantee it, the playoffs are crazy. The Rangers are not a prospect for a established star trade away from being a cup team. They're not even that sort of trade away from being like a contender or a wild card team, in my opinion. They're just—they're not there. They're not there.
1: They're not—they're not an Eric Stahl
0: away. And someone responded to that saying multiple cups is preferable. Yeah, multiple cups always. Sign me up for the dynasty. With that being said, not easy to do in the salary cap era. Uh, I think the most important thing is you build towards being a competitive team that ultimately reaches the cup. The Rangers are coming out of a, a, a window where they were a competitive team and a very good team. They never got there. And so that is just more reason to say, you know, if this didn't work. We've already moved a little too far down this road to, to think otherwise. You can't do it. I mean,
1: obviously more is better. Like, if you could have two bowls of ice cream as opposed to one, you're going to take the two bowls. But if it's one bowl versus zero, yeah. you're going you're gonna to take the one. You're and take the one bowl. Right. And I, what – I think, and and it it depends because we don't know how long you know the people that that are um, you know commenting on the blog, listening to the podcast, how long they've been fans. There could be people that you know they they've been in this their whole life. They could be fans that they sort of jumped on uh, after the lockout or whatever. But we saw it could be eight years old. Tom. Yeah, like we saw a lot of good Rangers hockey, and when we saw that it was towards the end, it was frustrating because. You could see that they weren't good enough so i would think now because they're building towards something you can have some patience because that's the expectation that once they come out of this they'll be in a much stronger point than uh, when they were when they were making the playoffs year after year after year
0: tom i have a final question for you uh i took a long walk today and I was, uh, I was gripped by an intense need to, to relieve myself, to uh, to dispel with my liquid waste, to urinate. And I knew in the back of my head that it is against the law to go tinkles in public. You can't do it. And I also know that like if you do it near a park or a playground or a school, you could get registered as a sex offender. And so my question to you, if push comes to shove, do you just piss in your pants or do you roll the dice? What do you do?
1: I would just, uh, I don't know, I would run as fast as I can and try to find the, the nearest bathroom. Tom,
0: what if it's snowing, Tom?
1: Well, if it's snowing, there's no one around and you just go find like a pile of snow and that's the problem solved
0: all right the other part of this that i thought the nuance to this right is naturally you would want to pee in a remote wooded area and many of those areas are parks and the park aspect just increases the risk of the of the punitive measures that could that could take place it's a real you know what folks it's a real catch-22 and i'm pretty sure it's best to just piss in your pants if you want to avoid because there's i don't think there's a law about pissing your pants
1: I don't think there is either, and it's, you know, it's, uh, you know... This, Which
0: the- brings me to my ultimate point. We should just be wearing diapers all the time. Uh, our patrons, Tom. <laughs> Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Amriel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B, Chris-a-baby, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence... Gabriel Vargas, George Litman, Igor Zaslavsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Johnny Lowe, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Meaty Ogre, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Sean Taggart, Stink, Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, Thomas Osa, and Trevor Kempner. Hello, new, new patron, uh, Sean Taggart. I like that name, Sean Taggart. I bet you Sean Taggart would see the light and know to just piss in his pants. Apparently, you're too big of a man for that, Tom. You have nothing to say, do you? You got nothing to say. Not really. <laughs> we're, doing a, we're, doing a po- we're trying to entertain people here, Tommy. You got nothing to say. Uh, not in this specific scenario. I've well, not. Well, let me ask you this. What's your go-to establishment if you've got a Russian pee, knowing that they're going to be like, oh, sir, you can't use the restroom unless you're a customer. Like, where do you look them right in the eye and you say, it's on the floor or it's in the urinal?
1: I mean I've had it before where it's like Oh the bathroom is for customers only And you grab like the really small Like 25 cent stick of gum Like the Oh sure that's not a bad move And I just go and I leave it on the counter And I use the bathroom and then I just walk out You know
0: what Tom god damn it we're all animals I mean humans try to act like we're better than animals At the end of the day We're just animals with clothes on And we've made roads and cars and we think we're special We're not special We're not special Tom we should be allowed to relieve ourselves in public. And with that, I bid you all good, day. Thanks for listening to the show. Bye. So to everyone, Tom. Bye, I everyone. The show. the show was pretty good, and I just, I just went and ruined the whole thing. But that's it. Yeah, uh, we'll talk to you next week. It's weird because the Rangers are off for a week. They're not playing again until Saturday. It's a lot of no-Ranger hockey, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Team gets healthy. Uh, Mike's going to piss his pants. A lot of things will happen. Until then, bye-bye.